1: the Super Soul Conversations podcast and O Magazine's Year of Big Questions. Now, the last time we had a conversation like this was in 2011, and we were at the double RL. And I told you the story about driving past and counting the miles to your fence, seven and a half miles, and how aspirational that had been. And
2: now I think of you when I go to Colorado. Do you think of me? And I think... Is Oprah still looking at the fences? Yes, isn't? I am. So it's been, it's been a while.
1: It's been a while. But today we're at your iconic restaurant. You know, this is my favorite restaurant in the
2: world. Isn't that nice? That's great. Yeah,
1: this one and Chicago, because Chicago actually started before this one. Right. Yes. I, I and I, th- I remember telling you that when RL's opened in Chicago, it was a cold winter's night that was so deep. It was like a blizzard. And I remember saying, we've got to go, we've got to go. And we walked across the street, because RL's was right across the street from from the Water Tower. But I'm happy to be celebrating with the rest of the world your 50th anniversary.
2: Well, it's very wonderful that that I'm going to be celebrating with you. Yeah. Because I'm very, very, uh, a little in love with you. Thank you.
1: Well, you know that you're an international fixture. You're uh, an innovator and a true legend and when you hear that all of the accolades and all the accolades to come as we're all celebrating what it means to be who you are for 50 years what does that mean to you does it does it register
2: it doesn't register i've been asked that question before and you know life is very quick and time is quick so i see things moving very fast and I love what I do. I never start to say what year it is and how many years I've done it. Every once in a while you have an anniversary, but 50 years is interesting to look at somebody else. I still think that I'm 22, (laughs) 32, 42, and I really feel that way. So I don't feel I, I don't know where the time has gone really in terms of how do I feel about it. I'm happy that I'm well and I have a good family and I'm enjoying my work Mm -hmm. and it's exciting and I think I'm in the best place I've ever been.
1: Well you know I love the beautiful coffee table book the Ralph Lauren book uh, with you riding a horse on the front and I've actually loved reading it as much as seeing all of the pictures and you opened by saying when I was very young growing up in the Bronx I saw the world through a glass window not the one that looked out on the schoolyard where we played base basketball." but the one that looked out on my dreams and like most young people I didn't know if I would ever achieve those dreams because when you're not born with money and you have to go out and work to buy a shirt or a pair of pants you take nothing for granted take uh, your time because we're just, yeah, just ask take the question again, uh, I was saying how did you know to dream big enough to become Ralph Lauren and what is your message, actually, to someone of any age on how to fulfill their dreams? Because you're just, I love the fact that you have the pictures of you as a kid. And we see this picture as a kid who became Ralph Lauren. And that's just because you had big ideas for yourself.
2: Well, I didn't know what the ideas were. You know, I, I felt special, but I didn't know if I was special. Enough. In that time, my world was very small my friends, I uh, lived on a cross street from a park, and my friends were singing rock and roll songs, and I was just happy to have friends, and and I never thought about where I was going. I never knew what a designer was. I had no concept that I would be that. I have two brothers, and I wore the, some of the hand-me-downs, and I thought it was cool. And it was cool because I felt like, hey, it looks like I went to college, and you know, it looks, <laughs> And um, nowadays, we call those hand-me-downs vintage. Vintage, yes. And so vintage has a big word now. In fact, my show that I'm just doing right now is, is, has a lot of that spirit.
1: And you say, I always loved the girl in the convertible with her hair blowing in the wind. When I started to design clothes for women, they were for that natural girl. I didn't like the girl with all the makeup and the high heels. I liked the girls in jeans and a white shirt with rolled up sleeves. That's and true. you're still designing for that girl.
2: My wife is that girl. Yes. Uh, but that's still what I'm attracted to. And when I pick models that are walking in, it's always the natural girl that gets to me. It's always the natural sensibility that I feel is is what works for me. And through the years now and designing, it's all about my life really, and it's about the clothes that I want for myself and for my wife and for my kids. And so it, my work has never been, it's never been another world. I've never been in the fashion world. I've been in the world that I created. And how I did it from the Bronx, I don't know. I think I went to work. I went to work in a store called Alexander's when I was 16 years old, when I was going to high school, and I hung up returns with a blue uniform on. Mm-hmm. And I never thought of any of those things. And then I went. I went on, I worked, got a job in, in, in um, one of the buying offices, but it was always very personal to me. It wasn't about ever being a designer, it was about-
1: When you first created the, the cause it all started with the ties, the big ties. I wanted
2: to be Frank Sinatra.
1: You wanted to be Frank Sinatra? I wanted to be- Didn't you want to be Joe DiMaggio too?
2: I wanted Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, <laughs> and um, you know, and Cary Grant, and some of those people I got to know. So, you know, I think, What's been wonderful for me is really to relate to anybody in that growing up and having a plan. It, my my scrapbook said on one of the my high school books when they hand you, a, would you sign this for me, Ralph? And said, what do you want to be? It said millionaire. And everyone holds that and says, you said it. You knew where you were going. Yes. I had no idea yeah. where I was going. I and did I the said same it thing. I didn't kid. know what
1: a millionaire was, but right. it sounded like a good thing to be. Right.
2: Yeah. I. Loved what I did, and it was really not to design for the world, but to, I guess at a young age, movies were very important to me. Uh, Books were very important to me. And I dreamed through the books. I dreamed through all of it. And someone once said, you write through your designs. Yes. And I think that's what comes out of me. What's been wonderful for me is I never had any formal training. I never went to fashion school. And... I got in there and I got a job making selling ties for a tie company and then
1: I had the idea I, for the
2: I bigger sold, tie I, I had the tie I saw them making ties and I said look I think we should do these wider ties and I asked my boss he said the world is not ready for Ralph Lauren and so I knew oh, that gosh. I had to, I liked the company I was with but I knew I had to express myself and so I, I spoke to some other one and I got this job designing uh, ties. I created a company and called it Polo. And I never played Polo. And most of the people, when I saw them, they'd look at me and say, what is Polo? Is that Marco Polo? <laughs> in reality, the world of Polo was very glamorous to me. It was very stylish. It was very international. And, and it, for some reason, maybe through the movies, the exposure to to the world of wealth and the world of privilege was desirable as it is to many people. Yeah. And you can, so you
1: had seen, had you even seen a polo game?
2: I had never seen a polo game till now. I've been to, yes, I've of course. seen a few now. Yeah. But, you know, I did it, I named it polo cause of that reason and.
1: You named it polo because it was aspirational. It felt it, like something. It
2: was, it was uh, rich and, and there's an international flavor to it and the women and men that went to polo matches all looked stylish. And and there was an a Europeanness to it yes. as opposed to Americanness. Even though I do a lot of American what people call me American designer, you know, it really is not about America, it's about what I love. And I did as I grew and as the ties started to sell and as consumers started to buy my things, I started to develop the idea of doing more things. What
1: about this moment, Ralph? I love this moment when you have gotten Bloomingdale's to look at the ties, they want the ties, and then they say, yes, we want your ties, we like the ties, but we want to put our name on them. And there was something about your young self even then that you knew, uh, I'm going to keep these ties and I'm going to give my own label or create my own brand. How did you know that then? Because um, weren't you like twenty-four?
2: I think there was a there's a, a story I've said to many people that sort of works for me. I don't know why. When I was about twelve or fourteen in the Bronx, we had a fight with the kids across the parkway, mm-hmm. and I got on my head. We had sleds and we had a snowball fight, mm-hmm. and all during the snowball fight, it wasn't a serious one, but it was semi-serious. The kids on the other side that we were throwing snowballs to said. We want Ralph, we want Ralph. And for some reason, I was incensed by their demand to sacrifice me and I, this, it all came out. I got on my sled and I went down the hill and I said to the guys, all right, come and get me. And they all ran away. Mm. And I don't know why they came out that way. I'm not, the guy was always looking for a fight or anything yeah. like that. But it gave me a sense of just watching these kids all of a sudden run away. Now I'm not 6'4". Yeah. And I was little as a kid. And all of a sudden they all ran away. And was a sense of power of, of, of a sense of, of being able to handle something yourself. And, and I saw stars. I, I, I knew. That I had to do what I had to do, but I didn't know what the consequence was going to do. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I was willing to go down and and do it. Maybe that came from the movies. Maybe it came from my parents. Maybe it came from something that I don't know was unconscious. So when I went to Bloomingdale's years later and showed them the ties that I had developed, the store management, the buyers looked at the ties and he said, "Ralph, I love the ties, but they're too wide." Could you make them narrower, and we, would you put the Sutton East label, which is our Bloomingdale's private label? And uh, we really would love it. We've got great ties. And I'm, I said to him, I said, look, on my heart's in my mouth. I can't do it. I can't sell you. I'd love to sell you. I'm dying to sell Bloomingdale's, but I can't do it.
1: I can't do it if I've got a change And the name. I said, I'm
2: closing my bag, and I left. Wow. And um, six months later, they called back and said, we can't find your ties anywhere. And they put in a whole case of my ties in the store. And that was the beginning of a- of With your the, name
1: on them, with your label. My
2: name, Polo. Polo. And it was, it-, it that Can you imagine,
1: a, had you given them the right to use their here. name, you wouldn't, you might not have been here.
2: So the idea that I didn't have a business, the idea that I, I was a young guy just starting out I, was, I used to deliver the ties and, and label the ties and ship them myself. Mm. And occasionally my wife would help and occasionally my father-in-law would help. <laughs> and so could you imagine Thanksgiving when I'm packing these gifts to send out? I remember sending, sending these ties to, to a few of the stores in Beverly Hills and one guy calls me back and says, hey, Steve McQueen, we just bought 17 of your ties. So I... I've seen excitement yeah. in my life that was very, very pure. It wasn't And I bet in the beginning anything. it was
1: just thrilling. Now, celebrities wear your really clothes all the time, so it's quite a different kind of world, but
2: I've Well, been- it was just on being unknown with stores, you know, when you're feeling that you're coming up with something and someone is liking your things, and yes. you say, wow.
0: Wow. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts.
1: So you hadn't even thought about being a desert So you went from ties immediately uh, to women's clothing? My
2: goal was, was really to um, have the opportunity to do what I wanted to do and to make a living for my family. I had no grand thoughts. Wow. I had no thoughts except I felt like I can do certain things and I was available to make it happen. I, I pushed it, I went forward, I was all alone. I had a little drawer in the Empire State Building. I so, didn't so, have so a show. Ralph,
1: Ralph, when did this idea to become a designer?
2: I think I went with the time, it just came. It started, I made the ties, I made the shirts, I made suits, all of a sudden people were coming to buy it, and the store said, what else can you do? And all of a sudden, I was a name. Mm -hmm. And at that time, the names were coming from Europe. There was Hardy Amy's, and and Pierre Cardin, and and all European fashion designers in women's, not men's. Mm -hmm. I guess I had a head start, because when that happened, I had Bloomingdale's Loving My Things, and and other stores were Neiman Marcus in Dallas, Texas, They all started to go and say, we want polo, we want... And I added Ralph Lauren to it when they talked about designer names. And it wasn't the brand, they wanted the name. The name. So that's how I added polo, and I added Ralph Lauren to the name.
1: And you describe your designs as, I've heard you describe them as having integrity. And you know it's interesting because that's exactly how people describe not just you. It's the word that's most often used, I would say, when people talk about you, they talk about your brand, your company, about how you live your life, mm-hmm. the word integrity comes up more often than anything else. How do you define that for yourself? What does that mean?
2: With that honesty, I, you know, I love what I do. I think I've had a very good life as a child. I never knew where I was gonna go. My parents didn't have a lot of money. My father was an artist. Uh, I had a, a, a loving family, and no matter—I didn't have a bike as a kid, and I was able to never, never think that my parents didn't give it to me, but always sort of love them because I felt the warmth. And as I grew up, you didn't
1: have a bike because they couldn't afford it.
2: Yes. Yeah. And as I grew up, I work with lots of young people and. Having the team work together and support me and feel the camaraderie that's so important is where the integrity is because it's not, not the clothes, it's, it's the spirit behind it for me.
1: How has your integrity actually been tested over the years? Because I would imagine that you would have challenges that would test your integrity, the integrity of your work, integrity of your company? Integrity. Well,
2: companies go up and down, you mm-hmm. know, and I've lived through good times, and I've lived through some tough times. Mm-hmm. I've also lived through a brain tumor. You know, life doesn't go one way, and those are days that challenge you tremendously, mm-hmm. and you live that life, and you, you're going through it, and you don't stop and think about it, you just go through it. But there is a foundation that I think I have. I've had success. I've enjoyed that success, and I like when I work with people that have the success with me.
1: Mm.
2: It's no fun having the success alone.
1: And you know, from everything I've read about you in previous conversations, that your central goal was always something bigger than the design or the name for the design you know your central goal the reason why we all relate to your your designs is because it comes from a sense of living and family right yeah right yeah and well, experiencing life
2: and that and i think that carried through and as i've had more success i was able to somehow feel almost like a teacher i wanted to be a teacher when i was a young kid mm. and i as
1: did i yes
2: I, I wanted to work with people and i had a teacher who had tweed jacket and crepe sole shoes, and he smoked a pipe at that time. And, and uh, it was a very interesting role model because there was a sense of, when I was talking about teaching, uh, I never thought about money when I was working. I didn't have a lot of money, but it was about doing what I love to do. And I also, once I started to have some form of success, I, I worked with people and I loved that they were part of it. And what you learn when you work for a company is, you don't wait for them to say, we have to give you a raise, mm-hmm. we, 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 you want to give. And I work my company, people work hard, but at the same time, I want them to feel my success with them.
1: Is each season, or some seasons easier than others? I mean, after 50 years, is it hard to come up with what is the thing?
2: It's always, I have it every, every six months. I'm working on so many things at once, and it's always the beginning for me. It's always, oh my God, what am I gonna do now? I don't know. Yeah. What am I gonna do? What's I am feel it now. Really, already? I remember walking down the runway of my first show, and and people stood up and applauded, and on the way back, I said, oh my God, what am I gonna do next? <laughs> I didn't even give myself five minutes to, down to, to, you think, to, give yourself to enjoy that pleasure
1: yeah the trip and, down the runway you didn't give yourself and
2: 50 years did not change that 50 years i have maybe a little more expertise in areas i didn't have but basically the love of what i'm doing and the passion for it and the working with other teams and working together is very good for me and, and i find that that's one of the good things in life and i'm not a poet and i'm not gonna talk to you about how great i am as a human i'm I'm a good person. I want to be a good person, but you know, we we'll all make mistakes. Life has is, mm-hmm. is, uh, got lots of ups and downs. But I think. What's the, uh,
1: speaking of that, what's the lesson it's taken you the longest to learn?
2: Well, I, I think for some reason, believe it or not, I was always very similar as a kid. I was always sensitive. I was always very thoughtful, uh, even when I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. I, I was a regular guy. I played. All in schoolyards. I was a kid. I went roller skating, but I, I, um, I think my parents gave me something special. They gave me a good sense of honesty and integrity. Do you
1: think it's because your parents were immigrants and that experience shaped your life, being new in America for them?
2: Well, what did it teach you? I saw them uh, struggle. I saw them worry. I, I, I experienced that. And, but I had sensitivity towards them because they were kind people. Mm-hmm. So getting to love something, or well, what did I learn over the years? You know, one year goes by after another, and you work your way. And if you work hard, you know, you're living your life, and mm-hmm. you have your you have some days when you it's hard. and You have some days when you're so elated you can't believe that this is happening to you. And sometimes I would feel. I remember someone was coming over to do a story on me, and I was up in Bedford, New York, and I was all dressed up and I felt like, oh my God, I'm really, mm-hmm. look at me. And, and I was sort of thinking that to myself. And I said, why do I have all this? Why Why am I getting all this and other people don't have it? Why is so much coming my way? And I felt that to be overwhelming. And I'm much happier sometimes when the day is just easy and I'm watching TV. Really? I work hard, I love what I do, I'm a competitor, I love work, I like to do the best I can, I like to learn.
0: Are you
1: still even competitive? Because now you are Ralph Lauren 50 years, I mean the New York Times says this about you, no one else has conveyed a design vision as broad, as consistent, and as successful as Ralph Lauren. So in a world and an industry that's constantly changing and fickle for you to be proclaimed as, you know, this stable of integrity in design and in life.
2: Those are the good stories. You haven't heard the bad
1: stories.
2: (laughs) Some, if you read some of my reviews you say, well, my God. You know, you live through everything Mm -hmm. and you work and you think, you work hard and, you think, well, when I get there, I'm gonna really, it'll be amazing. And then I realize today is where is there? Where am I getting to?
1: Where is there? Aren't you there? If you're not there, I don't know who is.
2: I'm there. I'm there physically, but I'm, I have that there is a morning piece. Honestly, as you do get older and you realize that life is not forever, and as things change, you realize that you don't want it to change and you see some wonderful connections mm-hmm. you start to see life a little, little clearer because time has gone by and you're getting older and uh, so as much as i love what i do and i love dreaming and i love i feel good about life and i enjoy beauty and i enjoy all the things that the world has to offer i really love having my family and my wife mm-hmm. um,
1: and the last time we spoke, you had two children who were engaged, and now you have four grandchildren. Yes. How's that changed you?
2: It hasn't changed me. They they walk right by me, and they, <laughs> uh, I, I guess you, what What's you start like to see. What's it like to see the see,
1: offspring of the offspring?
2: I don't know. You're gonna have to ask them soon. Yeah. But I see my children changing. What's what is interesting is I see how they're. Handling their children and you see another dimension of your children instead of yours I mean you're seeing them grow and you see them talking to their children. You see the struggle they're having and you see the anxieties and um, The same
1: ones you had when they were children. The same
2: ones I had some of them they have more anxiety than I had I think on some levels I had less but
1: why, because the world's so different
2: now? I think you realize that life, it's not so easy doing all these things. It's not so easy working. It's not so easy to you know, get, express yourself and, and to take care of your family and be an individual. And also, as some of the kids say, you know, Dad, it's not easy being your son. Mm-hmm. And I said, what are you talking about? You have everything. You can right. do anything you want. No, Dad, it's not the same. Yeah. They want to make it on their own.
1: That? How do you find yourself in that? Yes
2: they want to make their own statement and sometimes that's added to not only am I living my life I'm living their life to understand and want them to be happy and realize that time does go fleeting and they have to learn to feel Ideally
1: would you have wanted all of the children to be a part of the business? No. No. You wanted them to find their
2: own way. I I want them all to do what they want to do and and they're very creative and they all have different talents. Mm -hmm. I find that it's a struggle for them on some levels. You know, I had no choice when I was growing up. I had no, I had to get a job. Mm-hmm. I had to go to work. I I remember sitting and trying to calling an, an agency up and saying I I want to get this job and I they offered me they, they there was a job offered to me at Tax Avenue. And this employment agency said we think you'll get that job and I said, you know, I'll take I'll take nothing give me give me that job i'll show you how good i was i don't i don't need to, let me let me yeah. i'll show you
1: and your kids don't have to do
2: that they don't have to do that yeah. uh, is that, that
1: is that a good thing or a bad thing?
2: i think it's, it's just it, a it, offers you mm-hmm. it offers you comfort it offers you the sense that you don't have to worry about certain things but it doesn't offer you fulfillment of doing something that you that's coming out of you, you. that's successful mm-hmm. and the joy that I have found is loving what I do and and working, and when I work on a show sometimes, in the beginning it's a mess because you don't know where you're going. Mm-hmm. You sort of find your way and then all of a sudden you hit the stride and you say, oh, I got it. And that excitement is very inner, it's very it's, it's very exciting for yourself to catch that moment where you feel like you've done a job and you've done it really, you hit it you hit a home run. Do you feel that way every season? Every season. I find, and I, every season I come back to the same spot where I do the shows, and I say, oh my God, another opening, another show. <laughs> and I go through the, it's sort of you're inside yourself in a way. It's everyone's working, and everything's yeah. going on, and you're inside yourself. And say, oh my God, i got to go through this again. Because creating a show, especially in women's, It's very complicated and women's clothes change so often and shapes change and lengths change. And, and, you know, I don't worry about that except I just uh, wait for the spot where I said, I got it. Got
0: it. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom.
2: Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads but only travels from toaster to plate. (laughs) Thomas's, huzzah, a toast to breakfast. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.
1: Do you have a favorite design, a favorite or uh, iconic look that you created? Or is that like asking, you know, do you have a favorite
2: child? You know, I grew up loving Army, Navy surplus. Mm-hmm. I love uh, rustic things, I love safari. I like things that are romantic and rugged at the same time. I don't like fashion. I don't like fashion because I don't want things to go in and out. Yeah. What you're wearing is beautiful, but it's timeless. Yeah. There's no age. Right. I've always believed in that. And I've been able to take a timeless sensibility and make it a dream. And when I saw you walk in today, you look great. Well, thank you. And, the and I, I think were, this is like
1: four seasons old or something. Yeah, yeah. But it's yeah.
2: never gonna go, be out.
1: You'd never be out of style, no. yeah.
2: So that's what I love. I love the ability to, when I did a show last year, I did a show with cars that I've collected and clothes. And I wanted to show how the cars have a timelessness as well as the clothes. This is not about fashion, it's about forever. And I think there's something about the clothes that becomes an identity as to who you are. If you had to show new clothes all the time, it's not the same as being someone who has her own clothes and has her fashion, and they make a statement about themselves. At the Academy Awards, sometimes when you see people coming up to talk about master ceremonies, you would say, what are you wearing? Who are you wearing? Who are it's, you? Yeah. I hate that. Sometimes I squirm in my seat and say, oh my God. Uh, if I had to go through one of those runways and and have someone ask a question who, me, who, who, who are you wearing? wearing?
1: Yes. It's become the thing now, you know?
2: It's, it's over.
1: It's over. <laughs>
2: it's over. I
1: hope it's over. I it's hope, over. Hope, we, hope it's over. After five decades, you're still creating runway shows, hit runway shows, and releasing innovative collections. Where does the inspiration come from? Is it come from? You, you can just be someplace and you get an idea. Where does it actually come from? You, you know, sit with your team. Do you so talk about what's in?
2: Sometimes or out? it's something you see. I see someone more. It, it really comes from anywhere. That painting I bought that painting at Sotheby's years ago, oh. and I love the way they looked in the park and I loved the way it looked, and all of a sudden the I said, I love this, yes, a hunt? yes. they're riding through Central Park, you know, whatever it is, I'm reading through it, what I'm seeing there is a beautiful life with a, a lifestyle that is sort of a little old world, but it has a, a romance to it. Mm-hmm. And I guess I am somewhat a romantic, I love movies, I, I guess I always wanted to do a movie if I could, mm-hmm. But I realized <laughs> as time went by, that you know you gotta earn your way. So, my inspiration comes from so many different places. It comes from people, it comes from someone walking by.
1: You'll see I, something, I'll just see or, or see it. a fabric, or see it. And I'll
2: never know why, it's not, sometimes it comes with the most unexpected things. And the ideas have come, I think, I, if that was the, there was a gift given to me, honestly. Mm-hmm. That I, how did I do this? I finished a show, and it's over and people are standing and applauding and they're coming up to me and say, how did I do this? When you looked at
1: um, the WWE's 50 years of Ralph Lauren and all of the various designs and stories about those designs over the years, were you, were you a little bit in awe yourself?
2: I like to look at the guy he's handsome at that <laughs> I see the changes. I I think when you see your body of work, once yes. When I finished this book, yes. Yeah. Both of these books. Both of
1: these books, yeah. But
2: this one, particularly my
1: fifty years, my Ralph uh, the coffee my table. One of the book. young
2: people that I was with, who helped me with the book, she said, "Well, Ralph, how do you feel about the book now?" And I, I burst out crying. Yeah. It sounds terrible, but it's like. It's a draining, because it's like your whole life is in that book.
1: But Well, I'm looking through 50 years of Ralph Lauren's beautiful coffee table book, by the way. I hope people get it. And this is your life. I would cry, too, if I was looking at this. I would be in awe of my own life. As I am, and I am in awe of I my awe. I don't own. know who
2: this is. You don't know who this is in the pages you know, of this the, book? You know, the difference is, I think we all, we earn our way. We know who we are. We're working. But we... Looking, all of a sudden, I'm looking at that guy, and I said, "Who is he? You know what? Yeah. I'm looking at the car. Co- I like them, but I."
1: I don't does this feel like your life? Does yeah. it? It does. Yeah,
2: it does. It does. It does. It's a. It's a, a dream. Yeah. It's the life that I always wanted. Yeah, and it's the life that I've gotten. I love I,
1: though that you, Ralph Lauren, can say, even to yourself now, that you look at your life sometimes and say. How did this all happen? How did this all come to me? How did it?
2: Well, I do that, and I've done it for years. Yeah. And, and but you keep going. You've done a
1: lot of right things in order to make that happen. Well, you mentioned earlier about a brain tumor, and something that nobody can prepare for. How did that inform the way you lived?
2: Well, it's uh, it's a major nightmare that's a it, that's it's a good. major interruption of so in this beautiful of life this guy goes down who's walking down the runway who's who's getting a standing ovation yeah and this other guy whose doctor says Ralph we saw something and we'd like to have an x-ray and did you feel
1: something first before they saw something no no
2: my ears were ringing so if anyone no. has ringing ears forget it it's called tinnitus it's not the yeah. same thing my ears were ringing. I don't know if I yelled at my kids one night. I don't remember, I woke up and my ears were ringing and I was somewhat panicked. I said, this, this doesn't stop, what, what, what is this? So I went to a few doctors and one doctor said, let's take a CAT scan. And I took a CAT scan and it had nothing to do with the ringing of the ears, but he said, we see a little, a little small penile meningioma, they called mm-hmm. it. And I said, what? I mean, so if you want that surreal person who said, look at, I've gotten all this, why did God give me all this? Yes. And then this guy is saying to me, you have a brain tumor, Ralph. I'm in the top of the world and I have a brain tumor at the same time. Hmm. That's about the most extreme thing that you could live with. The nightmare of real life. It's one of the nightmares. Because then you
1: start immediately going, I mean, listen, I had a swollen salivary gland a couple months ago, and I was like, oh my God, what does this mean? Before I could get to the doctor. You start right. playing the story in your mind of everything. Right, yes. right, exactly. How you're gonna have to alter your life. and so Very how,
2: quickly, it just goes right through you. Yes. And I, so I had that. I went through it, but it was, I remember, you know, having it, and say, what am I gonna do, we're, we're, what should I do, who, what doctor should I see, who, 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 yes. who, who's gonna help me? And it was very frightening. But I met the surgeon, he said, we can take care of this, this is nothing, you know, and believe it or not, I went running in the park the next day. Um. And, and I did get, you know, I was operated on, and fortunately, it, and I think I came back with a vengeance because after it was over, after I was recuperating, I really think I got stronger than I ever was.
1: Mm. Did it scare you though?
2: It's a nightmare of your life. I mean, there's very few things that you ever want to be told because I remember walking past a friend of mine on Fifth Avenue when I was told that I was gonna have to have an operation and I saw him and he had he had a tumor of some sorts and mm-hmm right leg was paralyzed and and i said oh my god what what happened how did he get this and is this going to happen to me and you realize the world is things are open to you anything can happen and you just got to go and live through it and then hope some some people don't make it and some people do did it
1: make you appreciate all of these, the stuff, the things, the life, certainly the family. You
2: know, I appreciate things, but it doesn't last long enough. We tend to forget, and maybe that's how we're made, because forgetting helps you live. Because if you sat there and just thought about the brain tumor and wallow in your pain, you would go nowhere. So after that was over, fortunately I was lucky. I'm still very handsome. Uh, fortunately, I was lucky, and I was able to go through it and rise. And rise. And I actually, when anyone, I started this breast cancer clinic for a woman who was in Washington, who was an editor in the fashion business, Nina Hyde. Yes. And uh, I saw her after I got out of the hospital, and I saw her, and she didn't she didn't smile back. I said, Nina, what's She said, oh, you know, I said, what's, what's the matter? You don't... She said, "Well, I have um, breast cancer." Breast cancer, and she said, "You know, I, I, I met a good doctor, and I, I, wanted to get the fashion industry involved, and I wanted to ask them, you know." And she said, "They didn't really pay much attention." Said, "Would you, you know?"
1: So you created so the pink pony. So I said, party. "Nina,
2: I said, I'm going to help you." You did. I didn't help her enough, but I, I did start her, the Nina Hyde Foundation. The pink pony and then gone out to ping pong and then to Did your a place own in experience
1: Hollywood. with the brain tumor actually impact your uh, sense of service to all of your other organizations because I, once you've had the tumor you understand cancer. I understood
2: better. I understood what you don't realize is when you get sick you're in a different world. You're out of the world. All of a sudden you're stepping out of the world you were in. And you're you're not that same person. It's an out of body experience. Hmm. And when you, you you live through it I lived through the, the nightmare of someone opening up my head and that's a very, very tough thing to live through. And and wonder if you're gonna walk and, and seeing getting bandages will you have all over. Know and who you are, I, know who your family I, is. I think I was, as I said before, I think I was very, very lucky. And it, it absolutely made me very sensitive. Every time I would meet somebody that might have had that, and you know, they would tell me that they had, I would choke up a little bit. Mm-hmm. It took a long time to get past it.
1: Yeah. Did it give you more empathy for anybody going through anything? I
2: would Absolute, absolutely. absolutely, yes. Because yeah. I felt like I, I... I wanted to take care. I knew what they were going through and I felt and it was a very sensitive time.
1: Our conversation will continue in the next episode. You can listen by downloading part 2. I'm Oprah Winfrey and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening.
0: Have you ever wondered what the stars have to say about your favorite artists and writers? Listen to Stars and Stars with Issa, where I, your host and astrologer, Issa Nakazawa, read and interpret astrological birth charts of luminaries like W. Kamau Bell, Gia Tolentino, and so many more. You'll discover how astrology can unlock fascinating insights about these stars. And who knows, maybe you'll learn a little bit more about yourself. Listen to Stars and Stars with Issa wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader.